Welcome to the Peace Over Pieces podcast, hosted by Clara Baldwin. Peace Over Pieces is a nonprofit domestic violence organization creating podcasts with victims while providing donations, hotline information, and resources. If you or anyone you know is in need of financial or emotional assistance related to domestic abuse, please visit our website for contact information. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the next episode. My name is Amanda. I was born and raised in Ireland and moved to New York 11 years ago. I had a pretty normal Irish childhood. My mom stayed home to take care of me and my brother while my dad went out and worked. Uh, It was a pretty average regular childhood in the 80s and 90s. Then things unfortunately changed when I was 11. My dad died really tragically at the age of 37 in a road accident. My mom was also six months pregnant with my sister. As you can imagine, it was a really hard time. And being the oldest, I had to grow up fast. I learned to be independent from a young age. I helped my mom take care of my newborn sister. And I had to navigate the already tough teenage years while also trying to manage my grief. It was a traumatic time, but I met my abuser several years before we actually started dating. We had a lot of mutual friends, always had an attraction to each other and were good friends, but never really seemed to be single at the same time. When we did get together, our first year together was amazing. He was so attentive and caring and kind and generous. We had so much fun together. I told him all of my passions, my fears. I really opened up to him in a way that I hadn't really ever to another guy before. He never really told me much about himself. He only ever really wanted to listen to my stories, which at the time I found amazing because most guys I had met only ever wanted to talk about themselves. He was all of the usual terms that I now know about the Prince Charming, the perfect guy, the man of my dreams, all words I would have used to describe him. He told me he loved me very, very early on. It was all very quick and fast. Looking back now, years later, there were definitely little hints at what was to come. He seemed to drink quite a lot and there were a couple of times where he let the mask slip while he was drunk, trying to start arguments or he would compare me to ex-girlfriends who he had always said had treated him terribly. He had a very sharp tongue and I remember being quite shocked a few times as it would just completely come out of nowhere. Nothing ever really seemed to cause it, but he would always blame me on drinking certain types of alcohol, which he would say didn't agree with him. And, you know, we would just laugh it off. So after about a year together, we had planned to move to London together as our closest friends lived there. And we felt it was a good time as I hadn't been working due to recession and he wasn't happy in his own job. He had actually grown up in the US with Irish parents who had moved back to Ireland when he was a teenager. So he'd always planned to go back. So we decided to just go to New York for a couple of months before eventually moving to London as planned. I felt a little overwhelmed with it all as I didn't have much money and I felt, you know, we should wait a year. But he was determined and he promised me he would take care of me until I got on my feet. I was essentially giving up my quite happy life for him, but I wanted to be with him. The most bizarre thing I noticed is that 
from the second the wheels hit that runway in JFK, he changed. I can't explain it. He just felt different to me. His whole demeanor changed. I felt none of the usual warmth from him. I know now it was because he had just isolated me from everyone I knew and he had all the power in the relationship, which was just what he wanted. We moved around from couches to couches of his friends for the first month or so, which was very stressful. I wanted to do at least go and explore this new city that I'd never been to before, but he just wanted to sit in bars all day. He claimed we had no money for tourist activities and we were there to find work, not to do fun things. He would completely ignore me. He would talk to total strangers and he would claim that, you know, he was making contacts. Several incidents happened throughout those weeks where he completely diminished my feelings and I felt like just an utter annoyance to him. When we finally found our own apartment, I felt that things would be better. I blamed everything really on just him being stressed with the move. Once we moved in, he put an awful lot of pressure on me to find a job, despite me only having a tourist visa and him saying that he was going to take care of me the whole time as I didn't have money. He started working in a bar and I would do just odd babysitting jobs. He worked day shifts and would stay out after his shift, coming home at all hours of the night. He would come home and then wake me up by banging on the windows to try and scare me. He would pretend that he didn't have his key when he always had it with him. He was essentially waking me up to abuse me. He would call me horrendous names. There was never a reason behind it, but he would always find one. And I would be left reeling, wondering what I had done. Maybe I was a horrible person. I mean, I must be if he was this angry with me. He would blare music slam doors, crack his knuckles and punch his palms with his fists to try and intimidate me. He would take these deep breaths to show he was trying to calm himself down because I was making him so angry. One time he sat on my legs as I lay in bed asleep and jumped up and down on me to wake me up. It would last for hours and hours. I would sit there listening to him tell me what an awful person I was. But when I would confront him, he would claim to have never said any of those things. I didn't know then what gaslighting was. I just thought I was going crazy. Like, what happened to the man who claimed to adore me, who said he would do anything for me? You know, I remember I would look at him while he was like that. And the person that I knew was just not there. Like, it was a shell of his body that I recognized, but the person behind his eyes, I remember just thinking it was like a demon had taken over his body. You know, he would claim that I was doing nothing while he would do anything for me. He even said on several occasions that he would slit his wrists for me. It was always very violent imagery. He would throw furniture and objects around the room, most often my items. One night I remember he threw a lit cigarette out the apartment door into the hallway, which was like the shared hallway with the rest of the apartments. And I ran outside in my pajamas to get it because I was scared it would start a fire or something and he locked me out I screamed at him I kicked at the door trying to get back in I was so scared he would fall asleep and forget about me he was laughing and taunting me at the other side of the door and then when he eventually unlocked it he acted like it had been open the whole entire time again just completely gaslighting me he would claim we had no money yet he always had to have the best of everything. He was constantly online shopping. But when the packages would arrive, they would just sit unopened in a pile for weeks. The rest of his money went on 
nights out where he would drink excessively. He would buy drinks for strangers. He would tip the bartenders way above the norm, all to just appear like the big man to others. If I spent a cent, he was on me like a rash. He would buy takeouts every night for himself, but be angry if I bought groceries. I was living on toast and cereal. One time I bought flour thinking, well, at least I can make bread and it'll last me longer than buying a new loaf every few days because then he'll get annoyed if I'm constantly buying bread. But even that wasn't satisfactory to him and he started a huge fight with me because of it. I was always alone. Even when he was in the room, he would sleep in, he would snore loudly, he would watch sports. Sometimes he would watch sports on the TV, his own laptop and even take my laptops and then I would just be kind of sitting there. Uh, He never wanted to do anything together. When I would convince him to go into the city to hang out for the day, you know, first of all, he would walk so fast that I could never keep up with him. He would literally be a whole half a block in front of me and then complain and yell at me that I was being too slow. And then when we were there, he just wouldn't want to do anything with me. And he would say, well, you're the one who wanted to be here. I didn't. So you figure out what to do. I remember when my grandfather passed away, um, who was just so dear to me and I was very close to him. He was completely unsympathetic. He offered to pay for my flights home, but I declined as I knew he was only doing it to just have another thing to hold against me later. It wasn't like out of the goodness of his heart. It was so he could say, oh, well, I gave you money for that. On the day of his funeral, he blared music in the apartment. And when I asked him to just put his earbuds in, as I was upset, I, you don't want to listen to music on the day of your grandfather's funeral, especially when you can't be there and you're miles away. He was furious with me. And I remember a few days later, he asked me to go to the store with him. And I told him I wasn't, I just wasn't ready to leave the house yet and face people. And he became enraged, wondering what the hell was wrong with me and that I never wanted to do anything with him anymore. He could also be so evil with his words. One night out of nowhere, while he was drunk, he stopped in the middle of an argument with just this nasty smirk on his face. And he asked, how is your dad doing? I remember just being stunned. I'll never forget it. He was asking how my dad was doing, knowing this man had been dead for over 20 years, just as a way to hurt me. He also knew I had a lot of anxiety since my dad's death about people I'm close to being safe. For example, you know, if my mother went out for a few hours, I'd feel anxious until I knew she was home and safe. And he would use that against me by not showing up after his work shift ended, by not responding to calls or texts. And then he would randomly send me texts in the middle of the night saying things like, help me or I'm scared, things like that. He was completely messing with my head. And then he would go radio silent after and not show up until sometime the next day with no explanation. And I remember like honestly hoping that I would find out he was cheating on me just so I would have an excuse to leave him. I really had no idea that I was being abused. He was always aware of how much money I had. And when he eventually convinced me to stay in New York beyond the few months we were there, and, you know, I eventually got a visa, I got a job, he would take my whole paycheck saying he needed the money for bills. I would have to ask him for my own money. And he would always give me help for even asking. He had so much control over me. He would never do anything nice for me, make me feel special. He never took me out on dates. Even on my birthday, I remember he once gave me his old iPad as a birthday gift. 
while he upgraded to a brand new one. But then he would turn around and complain if I didn't get him a birthday cake or that my gifts weren't lavish enough, even though he never got me a cake and he knew I had no money to spend on him. I just couldn't win no matter what I did. Once I started working and making friends, I felt like I had a little break from him, but my stomach would just drop every time I got to the front door. I just always remember turning that key and just feeling that anxiety just washed through me because I never knew what I was walking into. I even started to lie about doing extra shifts when really I would be out having dinner or, you know, coffees with work friends. I even lied when I got a little promotion and didn't tell him so I could have the extra money for myself. A part of me was happy to be secretly thriving behind the scenes while his life was falling apart. He'd been fired from seven bartending jobs and he was hemorrhaging money. I even found out he'd begun borrowing from family, even from my own brother, by lying to them and saying that we were in trouble financially when really he was causing it. I slowly started to feel a little more alive and less isolated, but things at home were escalating. One night he came home drunk, screaming at me as usual. I had my earbuds in, watching a movie on my laptop on the couch, and I was just continuing to ignore him. At this point, I thought ignoring him until he tired himself out was the best. He got so enraged that I wasn't giving him attention that he grabbed my laptop, ripped it out of my hands, and threw it against the wall. My ears were hurting where the headphones had been pulled out and I looked down at my hand where he just ripped the laptop from and I noticed that my hand was bleeding. I was in so much shock. Like he had actually made me bleed. Like I remember repeating over and over again, like you made me bleed, you made me bleed. Like I was in so much shock. Another night I went into the bathroom to just get away from his yelling and his abuse and he followed me, gave me till the count of three to come out or he was going to break the door down. Then he began pounding the door with his head, his face, his legs. It was the very first time I was genuinely afraid of him. It was the first time I felt he could physically hurt me. At the time, I had begun slowly kind of confiding in a friend who lived nearby. So I called her. Luckily, I had my phone with me, called her from the bathroom and she came and picked me up. And I waited till he had passed out on the couch which he usually did after a while and I left and then I came home the next day and he was still asleep on the couch he hadn't even known that I had left speaking to my friend made me realize that what was happening was not okay she was a great listener she gave me advice without pressuring me to leave looking back I know that if she had told me to leave I would have stopped confiding in her I wasn't ready to admit that I was in an abusive relationship. It did, however, make me more confident and assertive. One day, the landlord came in to fix something in the apartment and he was acting very off with me when, you know, he'd normally been super friendly. My abuser was out of the house at the time. So as he was leaving, he turned and he asked me for the rent that month. And as I took care of the bills, my abuser took care of the rent, so I had no idea what he meant. He said he was owed three months' rent, which was over $3,000. I was shocked, knew nothing about it. I promised him I'd find out what was wrong. And then when he left, something just took over me and made me want to dig into this more. I went to the drawer where we kept all of our like important documents, you know, 
IDs and, you know, birth certificates, all of that stuff. And I even started checking behind cabinets, like tops of shelves, tops of the cabinets and all of that. I found pages of credit card bills, bank account statements where it showed him owing thousands of dollars. He was just spending on ridiculous things. He was gambling online. And then I found credit cards in my name, which I had never seen before. And then I saw the statements for these cards saying that thousands were owed on these cards. He came home that night, but I decided not to mention anything. I thought it would be for the best and I knew he would try and talk his way out of it. He was very subdued and he told me that he was being investigated along with several of his co-workers for something that happened, which was, of course, nothing to do with him. I waited until he passed out on the couch with his phone next to him on the floor. I knew his passcode, so I looked through it. There was a group chat with his co-workers where they spoke about the incident at work. Obviously, everything he had told me about that was a complete and utter lie. And then there were pages of private messages with a female co-worker. It didn't sound like anything was going on, which honestly at that point wouldn't even have bothered me. But he had bunches of texts where he complained about me, called me all sorts of names like Dom and a bitch. And she would laugh and give him sympathy, which is like, despite everything that was going on, how I was feeling in that moment, like, it's shocking to see you being complained about in such a way to a complete stranger. And then that person taking sympathy on him. It was it was just crazy. So I took pictures of the text with my own phone and then I sent them to a friend for safekeeping. At this point also, I had begun recording him secretly when he would abuse me. I was kind of, I guess, in the first instance was to kind of show him how he was behaving when he was drunk because, you know, the next day he would always pretend that he didn't remember. But, you know, whenever I would play him the videos, he would just literally put his hands in his ears and say, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. And then that eventually turned into me just kind of collecting evidence of the abuse, I guess, as a way kind of to prove to myself that it was real and that there was a pattern there. And, you know, I was finally slowly starting to wake up to the fact that this was abuse. At this point, the physical and mental toll that the years of abuse had taken on me was beginning to be very noticeable. I was always skinny, but I looked gaunt and my skin had like a grayish tone to it. I had horrific acne, which he will often tell me, we need to do something about this. I had a lot of stomach issues. I was riddled with stress and anxiety. My hair started falling out. I was always getting sick and feeling dizzy and weak. I had constant headaches. I couldn't concentrate. My friends would tell me that my voice sounded sad, that I didn't sound like myself. I was so sleep deprived because he would never let me sleep. One night I remember I had a 104 degree fever and he kept me awake all night, jumping on me on the bed, yelling at me, slamming doors, blaring music. He would come in and out of the room and flick the lights on and off several times in a row. It was just utter mental torture. My body was constantly tense, waiting for the next trigger, the next thing to happen. I felt intensely lonely all the time. I, looking back now, do not recognize. I made a plan to leave one day while we were sitting at home 
It was what I considered back then to be a good day, meaning he was ignoring me by just sitting on his couch watching TV or whatever, and I was doing my thing. I remember just hearing him breathing and this just intense, intense anger washed over me. Like, how dare he sit there calmly while I am falling apart from what he's putting me through, from what he's been doing to me for the last several years. I'd never felt anger like it. And then out of nowhere, this peaceful calm just washed over me as I had this one thought. I don't have to put up with this anymore. I can walk into the kitchen right now, grab a knife and stab him and then it'll be over. And the crazy thing is this thought alone didn't scare me. I knew I would never actually do something like that. But what absolutely terrified me to my core was the blanket of calm and peacefulness that washed over me at the thought of doing it. This I just felt this like nice heat wash over my body of like just feeling like I could fall asleep. I felt so calm. Like who was I? So I made a plan. I was going to save money and I was going to be gone by Christmas Eve. I was going to pack my things while he was at work and be gone. Three months later. And I thought, I can survive until then. I've done it for three years now. I can survive until then. But as they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So a few weeks later, after he came home drunk at 9am, woke me up on my day off to abuse me, I had had enough. I completely lost my mind. I remember completely seeing red around my vision. Like, you know, they say you see red when you're angry. I remember my whole entire outer side of my vision was just red and I had total tunnel vision. My voice went to a pitch I couldn't even achieve again if I wanted to. I screamed at him, threw all of his belongings around the apartment. I hit him across the face with one of his shoes. And what did he do after he wouldn't let me leave the apartment after he blocked the doors so he couldn't let me out, after he grabbed my shoulders, after he pushed me against the wall, he called the cops on me. I couldn't believe it. Five male cops showed up and he somehow, in his drunken state, managed to convince them that I was severely depressed and out of control. They came and offered to take me to a doctor to get me treatment. They even asked him if he wanted to press charges after I had hit him with his shoe. And I remember thinking, okay, you're in a room with six men right now. I remember feeling like I wasn't safe, like I needed to do something. I can't let them take me away. So I just became really calm. I told them I was fine. I said I didn't need to be seen by anyone, that I was okay. I just got a little angry and then they left. And I calmly packed my bag. I called my friend. She was on speakerphone. She told me to come to her house. She said, put the phone down. I'll stay on speakerphone. Just pack a little bag and come to my house. So in the meantime, he came into the room taunting me about the cops being after me, that my visa was going to be taken away from me, not realizing that my friend was hearing everything. And then when he realized that she was on speakerphone, he completely changed again. He was like, oh, are you okay? I've never seen you like that before. I know you've been depressed. Like he was, you know, then trying to manipulate my friend into thinking that, you know, again, that there was something wrong with me, that I was severely depressed, suicidal, whatever. 
So I left the apartment. He chased me down the street trying to get me to come back until we got to the end of our block, which turns into the main street then. And obviously people were going to be around at that point. So, you know, he never liked anybody to see anything wrong with him. He always wanted to appear to be Mr. Perfect on the outside. So then he stopped and went home and I kept walking, went to my friends and I never went back to him again. But it didn't end there. It took a good two years or more of him stalking me, bad-mouthing me to everyone, of me getting a protection order, having to take him to court several times before it finally stopped. I blocked him from everything, changed my phone number, but I did keep Facebook uh, Messenger open as a point of contact. Not, I never contacted him, but I just needed, I felt like I needed evidence, you know, just in case he was threatening me or anything I wanted to have, like, some backup, you know, and I had gotten the protection order. So I wanted to have that open as, you know, some type of, you know, if it continues to escalate after this. Who constantly text and call me on there. He had moved apartments at this point, but he sent me a picture one day of a handwritten letter addressed and stamped to me at that apartment, which I'd never lived in, just to try and entice me out to try and get me to go to him. He got itemized billing on our phone bill, trying to find me you know, like I said, I'd already changed my number, so it didn't matter at that point. He tried to convince me to give him my documents so he could do our taxes as a joint, jointly do our taxes so that, oh, like, but we'll get more money that way and I'll give you all the money. I just want to, you know, you to get everything that you can get, you know, just being completely fake again, trying to entice me out, trying to get money out of me. He would blow hot and cold when I wouldn't respond, which I never, never once did. He would threaten constantly to have my visa taken away from me. I had to go and see a lawyer as the visa that I was on had his name attached and I had to be on that visa for another two years, but obviously I couldn't be with him anymore. So I had to go to a lawyer and tell her my whole story literally from the day I met him for my new visa application so that I had to prove basically why I couldn't be in that relationship with him anymore. And it was a very, very, very stressful year of doing that. But I actually found it quite therapeutic because it was the first time I really fully told my story. So it's been almost eight years now and I'm completely free, but I'm always cautious. I'm always looking over my shoulder, making sure, you know, I don't post my address anywhere or show pictures on social media of where I live. Looking back now, I know that nothing I could do would have made him stop the abuse. But it also wasn't my job to make him stop. Everything he did to me was wrong. Nothing I did caused it. He would have abused me whether I was the perfect woman or the worst woman. I wish for every woman to know that you are not at fault. All you did was love and trust a man who promised you the world. It took me years to recover. I had night terrors, anxiety for years. I struggled financially. I was at rock bottom. I had friends turn their backs on me, claiming I was exaggerating my story. It took me a long time to realize that I had in fact been physically abused. You don't need to be beaten in order to be counted as an abuse victim. It doesn't matter how attractive, smart, confident, assertive, wealthy, successful you are. We are all vulnerable to abuse. The image we have of the meek, 
quiet, weak housewife being the only version of an abused victim is so old-fashioned and it's just not true. Confide in your friends. And if you are being confided in by a friend who is going through this, just listen to them. Don't tell them he's a bad guy, you need to leave him. Understand and accept them when they go back to him because inevitably that will happen. They say that it takes three times before a woman will leave their abuser. And the most dangerous part of an abusive relationship is when the victim decides to leave because then the abuser has lost control and has nothing to lose. A few years after leaving, I realized I had an important story to tell and I was bursting to tell it. I knew nothing of abusive relationships until my own happened and I wanted everyone to be equipped with such vital, important information. I began to read, I did lots of research, I began to speak up on social media slowly. Then I was interviewed and chosen from hundreds to be part of the Allstate Foundation Survivor Network, which was a panel of nine women who used their stories of abuse to spread the word and help others. I spoke with other survivors through that. I was interviewed for several publications. I began to speak out much more on social media. I started my own podcast called IPV and Me, where I tell my own story about what happened to me, what I've learned along the way. And I also tell stories of other women who have gone through similar situations. I've been so shocked at the feedback I've received and shocked at the amount of people I know who have gone through abuse in different ways People have told me they never would have spoken up or even realized they'd been abused if it wasn't for me telling my own story. And that's why I think organizations such as Peace Over Pieces are so, so helpful to people like me. Spreading the word is powerful. Words are so powerful. I appreciate any abuse victim who comes forward to tell their story. I know if I had heard stories such as those told on this podcast at the time, I may have left much sooner and felt far less alone. All these years later, I'm so happy. I'm independent. I'm free. My freedom means everything to me. And that is all I can ask for. I personally wear my survivor badge really proudly. I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I used to be in the beginning. I feel really proud of what I overcame and proud that I'm now using that story to help other people.